your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. You may recall last week we talked briefly about Seoul City's plan to adopt a management system called co-determination. If introduced, it would require companies to give employee representative seats on their board of directors, for example. Um, that would obviously directly give workers more of a say in how those organizations are run wherever this is implemented. Seoul Mayor Park Won-soon emphasized that the system would be crucial in the name of economic development, but companies are resisting the move, saying that it will only get in the way of doing business. And that might raise an eyebrow or two. So let's bring in Professor Jean Duplessis, Chair in Law at Deakin University Law School Australia. And good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to participate in this program. I really appreciate it. And you'll see I'll, I'm quite passionate about this topic. Well, it's great to find someone who's not only so passionate but so knowledgeable as well because you've been studying the concept extensively. Before we go into one of the areas of your study, Germany, can you tell us why you are so passionate about co-determination and why we should care? Yep. First of all, uh, it is important that when I started my research, I was still based in South Africa. And uh, that was just after apartheid. And one of the ideas that I've played with after I've been uh, encouraged by a German professor was to see whether we couldn't get a system of co-determination uh, introduced in South Africa. And that was uh, aimed at uh, black economic empowerment to make sure that some of the employees that would have been black people uh, could sit on the supervisory boards and in that way to uh, empower them. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I left South Africa in 1999, and my interest turned to co-determination or Mitbestimmung generally in Germany. And I've done research on that topic since 1995, and we also have a German corporate governance book on this particular uh, uh, issue uh, of the German corporate governance uh, model. So uh, that's the reason why I've been, I am very passionate still about the topic. So uh, how widespread is Mitbestimmung or co-determination in Germany? Yep. All right. This is this is very, very interesting question. Let me first just explain something for your listeners. And I, I think that it's very important that you understand that mm -hmm. the German corporate governance model is based on a two-tier board system. It means that they have got a supervisory board and they've got a management board. So the supervisory board is responsible for supervising, governing and overseeing management. And the management board is responsible for managing uh, the corporation. The statutory provisions in German law uh, makes it impossible for the supervisory board to interfere with managerial decisions. So this distinction is incredibly important. The managerial aspects, that is an exclusive power of the management board. But on the supervisory board, only on the supervisory board, between one-third and one-half 
of the uh, members of the supervisory board, they are appointed by the employees. And since the supervisory board appoints the management board, that is exactly in that way in which there is a direct influence of the supervisory board and the employees uh, on the management board indirectly by appointing the members and they also have the power to remove them. Yes. this distinction is, is, is crucial to understand the system of uh, German co-determination. How would that sort of structure, or, or any structure, if there are any other suggested models to, to work with here, affect decisions like mass layoffs or uh, perhaps uh, restructuring in an area that employees would find unfavourable? Alex, that's a very good question, and normally it's one of the things that people raise as a potential objection to uh, the particular model. The, that particular decision or all the decisions that you've now men, uh, mentioned, they are in actual fact managerial decisions. So these decisions will never be taken by the supervisory board or uh, yeah, the supervisory board with employees sitting on it. It will be a managerial decision. Now, what the management board would normally do under these circumstances, they will consult with their supervisory board. They will have joint meetings and they will get the advice of the supervisory board. In other words, informally, they can, in actual fact, take into consideration the views of the employees uh, sitting on the supervisory board and then they go away and they take the managerial decision. So even though you would think that there's a conflict of interest for the uh, members on the supervisory board because of the lay, uh, because of retrenchment, or even if they uh, consider strike actions, they don't take the decision. They are just there to provide advice, and then the decision is taken by the management board. In that sense, they haven't got any direct uh, conflict of interest in the decision-taking process, which is taken by the management board. But Seoul Mayor Park Won-soon has um, suggested that this could actually boost economic development. And is, is that a, a very ambitious claim? No, no. This is very interesting. I'm so glad that you've asked that question as well. Um, we, in, in, in our first edition of our book, we did point out, of course, some of the uh, negative aspects of uh, co-determination. Uh, let me just give you one, for instance. Some of the supervisory boards are too big, so that's a statutory thing. If you start uh, from scratch, you would make sure that your legislation wouldn't have large uh, supervisory boards. Right. But in the second edition that we wrote, that was just after the global financial crisis. And we, in actual fact, concluded that one of the reasons why Germany escaped or recovered much quicker than the other European countries from the global financial crisis, one of the reasons was, in fact, the model of of co-determination. So they had the uh, ability to, in a very constructive uh, way, uh, collaborate, uh, collaborative way or through co-determination to work out very innovative ways. For instance, um, they had uh, adopted in some companies that the employees would take leave without pay during the difficult periods. Or, and that was of course linked with types of agreements that if there's a boom coming in future, they would get increases in salaries. Now, these sort of arrangements is normally very difficult to achieve if you work through unions, where the, 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 the model is not co-determination, but through strikes and other things to get what they want. Mm. So 
so in that sense, the whole concept of co-determination and constructive collaboration is absolutely vital and help the Germans through the difficult periods. How did Germany and how would you recommend other countries get over that hurdle, though? Especially here in Korea, we've got a strong culture of unions protesting government-led or corporate-led decisions. To, to suddenly accept co-determination as an alternative, is that going to be a big challenge? Oh, I, I, it, the interesting thing is that, that, that Germany also has very strong unions, and some of the representatives elected by the employees are in actual fact union members, but not all of them are. So you, you, you also get the unions involved in a positive way. Now, uh, especially radical unions would probably resist a system of co-determination because they would be worried that their power base would be eroded. But in Germany, it was uh, proven not to be the case. And uh, the constructive way in which the uh, union members on the supervisory board and the other employee uh, part, uh, uh, representatives, the constructive way in which they work with other representatives, and remember, uh, I said between one-third and one-half of the supervisory board, uh, they are appointed by the employees. The, rem the, the remaining half or the remaining two-thirds of the supervisory board are appointed by the shareholders. So in other words, you've got uh, at the supervisory board another very influential group of people, the shareholders, uh, and they are represented there and they also act in the best interest of the company. And it's been proven that once the employees are appointed to the supervisory board, they act in the best interest of the corporation. They cannot act only in the best interest of the employees because they are now uh, office bearers and their duties are owned to the company, not to the constituency. Mm. And that in itself uh, deals with a lot of the uh, potential problems there, but they act in the best interest of the corporation. And that's once again a very good uh, concept, uh, in my view, uh, because it's based on co-determination. We've got to leave it there. Professor Duplessis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you, yeah. Alex. Well, likewise. Great to hear someone so passionate about their, their area of interest as well. Professor Jean Duplessis of Deakin University. One would presume that everyone would be passionate about their area of interest, but expressing that passion on the radio is another thing. You can email any opinions or questions you have to efmthismorning at gmail.com.